passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. What's up, Knicks fans? It is a hard Knicks life. We are available on iTunes, SoundCloud. Whew, fucking voice is cracking, Barry. You got a glass of water in front of you or something? <laughs> We're available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Barry, right, in the next like week or so, we're going to be available on Spotify and many other places. So be on the lookout. All right, Barry? All right. I will keep my eyes open. All right. Find the best tickets at the best prices for all your favorite sporting events, concerts, and shows. Where do I find that? SeatGeek. SeatGeek. Yes. Use promo code HARDNIXLIFE, all caps. No, no spaces? spaces. Right. No spaces. <laughs> Barry, this is a, as smooth as it gets right now in this intro. <laughs> For $20 off your first purchase. It is a hard Nick's life. This is episode 51. In the early 90s, I and many others fell in love with a team that embodied everything our city stood for. The toughness, the heart, the fight. But we've fallen on hard times. And we went from throwing the punches to taking them. The New York Knicks are irrelevant to basketball. Hey, Ernie, seriously, why are we showing the Knicks? <laughs> Yet through it all, my commitment hasn't wavered. I watch every game hoping that one day, just maybe, that team that didn't back down from anybody, that team that shook the garden every time it played, that team that I fell in love with, returns. But until that day, it's a hard Knicks life. I'm Mark. I've been a Knicks fan for 24 years, and it's been a hard Knicks life. Barry, did you hear that? Yeah. That was Mark. He's living a hard Knicks life. Cheers to you, Mark. <laughs> if anyone else wants to tell us their hard Knicks life, call us 516-33-MESH1. Big show today, Barry. We got a couple very special guests. Who we got? I mean, I know who we got, but you got to tell them who we got. I actually was trying to tease this on Twitter as one of our guests as our mystery guest, and we got some guesses in from the fans. Right. What did you say? Our, our guest is uh, part of the past and the future? Right. The, the first hint was today's guest witnessed Nick's past and the future. The second hint was that he was closely connected to Mitchell Robinson. And the third hint was... What was the third hint? Do you remember? No. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. There were a few guesses. Here's one. Today's guess is probably Walt Clyde Frazier. Which is wrong. <laughs> Another person texted the number back. I didn't even know that was an option. It's an option, but it's not preferred for a podcast. <laughs> and he said... Kevin Knox. 
Nobody guessed it. But on the show today, we have very special guest, Mitchell Robinson's former high school basketball coach, Butch Stockton, all the way from Chalmette, Louisiana. Awesome. Awesome. And we also have one of the hottest content providers in Nick's Twitter. We've got Nick's Film School coming on as well. We're going to talk Summer League. Obviously, it's over. We're going to talk Kevin Knox. We're going to talk Mitchell Robinson. We're going to find out some things about Mitchell Robinson that we did not know from Butch Stockton. And I just want to make it clear, Barry, we actually do have Butch Stockton. This isn't like one of these old shows where we had someone pretend to be. That's right. The, the guests <laughs> right. are starting to come. We're actually using real people. It's not like Ron Baker's hair we've had on. It's not like Porzingis's barber. It's not Mello's hoodie. Who else have we had? We had, we had Frank Nilakina's groin on once. This is actually Mitchell Robinson's high school basketball coach from Chalmette, Louisiana, Butch Stockton. And he's an awesome dude. Barry didn't get the chance to talk to him because he uh, had a dentist appointment that day. So I had to do that solo. All right. How was that dentist appointment? Uh, good. Smooth sailing. Was it worth missing out on the Butch Stockton interview? You did a great job. I had the pleasure of hearing it and... I don't think I would have been able to add anything more. Sweet air or no sweet air? No sweet air. No sweet air? It was just a cleaning, bro. I Even for cleanings, I demand the sweet air. Get the hell out of here. I've been doing it since I was 12. You um, demand it. Absolutely. Dude, that stuff is amazing. There's no pushback from the hygienist? A little bit, you know. But they know by now, you know, Craig's coming in. You right, better have the sweet air on tap. And they always, you have to have the chocolate flavored sweet air. That's my mm. preference. I remember the first time I had it, dude, I was like 12 and I went under. And when I came back, the dentist and his assistants were all aliens to me. And I totally freaked out in the chair. Like they looked like a typical alien, like big heads and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Long, tall eyes. Big heads, but they were dentists. You know, we should do these shows on sweet air. We should. I mean, there's not much ne from between now and the start of the season. We should have a Sweet Air episode. You know, that's a good idea, because I don't know what we're going to talk about the rest of this offseason. And maybe the next show should be the Sweet Air episode. Can you get your hands on some Sweet Air? Maybe we could, uh, like, do it from the dentist's office. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'd feel right at home in that kind of setting. What is that supposed to mean? Yeah, with the whole, you're in your bathroom. That's a bathroom like a dentist's office. Because there's a toothbrush in, in both places? There's water that you can rinse your mouth out with. Okay. That's one. Right. There's toothbrushes. Can we, can we get to JB now? <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> Let's welcome on JB from Nick's Film School, who is not on Sweet Air. <laughs> JB, for those who may not know who you are and what Nick's Film School is, what exactly is Nick's Film School? Yeah, sure. So uh, it started out as being an account that I think focused mostly on doing video breakdowns of the Knicks. And it's kind of evolved into a few different things since then. Um, so I'd say now it's kind of a video breakdown slash Knicks news and occasional me trying to be funny. Don't you think it's a little rude that Barry hasn't said hello to you yet? Hey, JB. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the show, dude. I'm happy to be with you guys. Barry, you're on your game tonight. Yeah, that was quite rude. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> hey, JB, nobody does video breakdowns like you so quickly after a game ends. 
with so much detail. What's your process like? It, it's a crazy one. It's a lot of trying to take notes uh, where I can, watching the game in, in real time. And then, um, you know, I think I definitely sacrificed a little bit by having, you know, the video come out so quick. I obviously can't spend as much time, you know, pouring over every play to make sure I get it 100% right. And sometimes if I, if I don't know, um, you know, I'll just pass on a point and kind of go with the more obvious ones. But, yeah, basically watch the game, try to take notes, and then afterwards, you know, just go through the, you know, the points if I'm focusing on a particular player or a particular area in the game. I, I would say that's the key. Is if, if it's going to be timely right after the game, it has to be I already sort of know the story, so that way I'm jumping to it versus other games I'm, you know, re-watching the tape afterwards looking for a story. So right. You know, I'd say that's the key. And then it's just a matter of doing the video editing and throwing it all together and getting it out there. So do you enjoy the game or not really? You know, it has definitely changed the fan experience a bit. Um, I think it, I was trying to remember what game it was, but I guess they kind of blurred together. But towards the end of the season where, you know, the Knicks did something good. And I just like yelled like, oh, shit. And my wife is like, wait, why are you... Why are you saying that? You know, it's because I just didn't, like, I wanted to grab the cliff, and I didn't grab it in time. And it was just like one of those things where I'm reacting to doing the work of getting it out there, and it, and it has taken a little bit away from, you know, just the normal enjoyment if you're just sitting there with a beer watching the game. Does your wife still love you with all this going on? No, right? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, without her, I think... Um, I forget, both of you guys have small kids? or Yeah, yeah, we have small kids, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so I think you know we, we rely heavily, you know, on our partners to do a lot. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting for her trying to adapt to the crazy schedule I keep. Yeah, my wife is cleaning the whole house right now while we all just bullshit about the Knicks, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it last week I saw you tweet out that you were racing home from somewhere, didn't have enough time to get home, or thought you wouldn't? in time for the game, so you pulled over at a gas station and got to work? Yeah, not my, uh, you know, highest moment. But, yeah, it's just these are the things where I think, you know, my wife would say, you know, you need you need to let it go a little bit. But it was like, yeah, I was coming home, and I hit some traffic. I wasn't going to get home in time. And it was one of those things where I had to either miss, you know, like most of the first half, uh, but then get home, or just decide, okay, well, if I pull over right now, and break out, you know, my laptop and use my phone, I can probably do things, you know, right here. So I made the decision to pull over, and, um, and yeah, it ended up being the night knocks went crazy, you know, in the third quarter there, so I guess it worked out. But, yeah, it was definitely one of those moments where it's like, all right, this is a summer league game. It's okay maybe <laughs> if I miss one. <laughs> right. But I just kind of have it in me at this point to, uh, I don't know, I guess keep it going. How long were you at the gas station? So now I ended up staying the whole game because it was like once I made that call, it was like, like all right, I'm, you know, I'm in for a penny and for a pound. I just got to, you know, especially during summer league because there's no, uh, in halftime, it's a quicker halftime. There's only 10 minute quarters. So yeah, it flies by. It's just flying. So there's no like gap for you to, to go. So, but the thing about it was like people were tweeting at me during the game that, what I've realized in doing this is there's a lot of people from outside the U.S. that I don't think have access to a lot of the NBA content. Right. Literally, like, their only way to watch might be seeing these clips. So I felt 
a little less like a loser and more heroic when people are saying, oh, you know, I'm up at three in the morning and, you know. Does it bother you that you're not on anybody's payroll? Like even like the Knicks PR, you know, payroll should be, you know, somebody should be providing you with some reimbursement for all the time. and Barry, Barry is here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. A lot of people ask me about that. Um, you know, I think right now it's just been doing it as a very intense hobby. You know, it's funny because, like, even younger people reach out to me asking, like, oh, you know, if I want to get into, like, media, what do I do? And it's like, well, my path was basically build a career doing something else and hopefully, if you do that well enough, you can get paid and kind of balance your time that you can then have a really fun hobby. And that that's kind of how I've gone about it. So it's allowed me to not have to make decisions based on money, which I think gives me a little bit of an advantage, to be honest, because I can sort of do what I think makes sense and I want to do rather than, oh, you know, I think this is a good way that I'm going to, you know, get paid off of it. But, you know, I... I you know, I hear what you're saying in terms of the time. It definitely uh, would be nice if I was reimbursed a little more than just, you know, likes and retweets or people coming to the website. But, um, you know, honestly, that, that I mean, you guys are just regular Knicks fans like me. It's like the idea that my account has become anything popular at all is cool enough for me. Like, that's, that's a pretty yeah, good award well, in itself. I was telling Craig that, you know, when I heard that you're going to be coming on with us, that I was as interested in hearing your thoughts on the Knicks and breaking down the film, the players, as I am fascinated with it was with exactly what it is that you do, which is not only regurgitating all the Knicks news and stories that you digest, but you create a lot of your own content. You break things down. You present it to Knicks fans in a real understandable way. Like for me, I have a hard time sometimes wrapping my head around the financial aspects and lingo of the players' contracts and cap space and luxury tax and stretching players and bird rights, all that stuff. And you seem to be real fluent with all that stuff. Is that something that comes easy to you? Yeah, well, my original background is in economics. So um, like I have a master's degree in economics and I, was, I worked as an economist for a while down in Washington, D.C. So all the financial stuff is definitely, I'd say, my strongest point. So that's why you probably see me go pretty cap heavy. And I think, you know, what you, what you see a lot with NBA content is you have people that are really good at like one thing. So they, they know how to make graphics or they know about the cap, but they might not, you know, mix and match the two. So that was sort of, I guess, an original area where I was like, yeah, this this could be, like you said, it's like there's so much detail, but no one wants to see it written in, like, plain text. They just put it in an easy graphic so, like, you can understand it. Um, but, yeah, so that was an area I definitely had a strong background in, so I figured, you know, that this could be an area I could do something with. So, JB, Summer League is over. It's kind of weird, you know, Basketball, I came back in our lives so intensely for like a week, and now it's done, and we have to wait several months for anything beyond workout videos, which is exciting. Yeah. The obvious, uh, Kevin Knox scored a lot. Shooting wasn't great, but you could just see that he's got this advanced NBA-ready offensive game, does a lot of things, brings the ball up, drives, draws fouls. Frank played like a game and a half, so we couldn't really get much out of him. Surprise of Summer League, in my opinion, Mitchell Robinson. His averages were off the charts for the number of minutes he played, like 13 points a game, 10 boards, 4 blocks, was all over the court. You know, I think we all experienced some of those things, but I'm curious, what did you see in your breakdowns and by watching every play, like I think you say, you watch every Knicks play twice. 
what did you see? <laughs> what did you see that might not be so obvious to uh, all the fans who watched all the summer league games? Yeah, I mean, well, actually, like you said, it, it was so intense uh, with the game that I still this week plan on going through uh, the film in more detail because a lot of you know they were playing on back to backs and then um, or you know every other night. So I actually didn't get to watch every all five of the games in the, in the same detail that I would. Uh, during the regular season yet. But, you know, I think I was actually surprised with Mitchell Robinson. Um, I expected, like, his timing to be off like it was in the first game. And he's still, certain, certain times when he's setting screens, it just looks like he's doing, you know, what I would probably do out there having not played in a while. <laughs> right. um, but I was still actually surprised with some, like, on, you know, on defense and some of the pick-and-roll coverages. It seems like pretty natural to him to sort of yeah, – they were doing a lot of like, okay, I'll show on the ball handler and then I'll recover back to the to the guy. Or, you know, instances where he would maybe contain the ball handler for a little bit and then if it was cast off, he would have to, you know, fully find his guy again. I was surprised at those little things, like how he seemed to do that relatively well. Like I said, he wasn't always perfect in every, you know, technique in doing it, but it was like – for a guy who hasn't played in a while and now you're being asked yeah. to follow like certain instructions that I think they're <laughs> trying out, I, you know, I, I thought maybe that's the thing that probably stood out the most. Did you see some of these plays where like, it, it was like two, two guys were open and he was running from one to the next as they were passing it to each other? He just gets from like one side of the court to the other so quickly? Yeah, it's, well, the other thing too is, I mean, I think it's clear that, you know, he, a couple games in especially and he had all the and the means going out there of him blocking shots. It's kind of funny. I thought he was more aggressive chasing guys around the, the, the last game. Or, yeah, the last game. And you think, like, oh, you know, this stuff doesn't matter, like what they see on social media. These guys are professionals. But then you're like, no, this is an 18-year-old kid who, after the first four games, he went on Twitter and, uh, you know, Facebook, whatever, he saw all these highlights about him blocking everything under the sun. And I wouldn't be surprised if by that last game, he just was like, I'm getting six blocks today. Because I, I actually felt like he was a little over-aggressive in, in running after trying to almost block every single shot. But um, it, it's crazy how much ground he covers to your original point. JP, you interact with a lot of different types of Knicks fans, and you seem to have a very logical grasp on all things Knicks. Am I crazy on a scale of Shia LaBeouf to Gary Busey for creating a dream scenario in my head that at the end of next season, the Knicks have the possibility of having two Rookie of the Year contenders? All right, what does that fucking mean on a scale of Shia LaBeouf to (laughs) Gary Busey? Like, I know I'm a little crazy for having that dream scenario. Am I a little crazy or a lot crazy after what we saw in Summer League? Yeah, see, I wasn't sure if you were going to say two max, the big question usually is two max contracts you're going to two rookie of the years um no i mean the thing i was um at, at like a family graduation party today and it's like the classic where you know the few other guys there that are nick fans they want to run over and talk right away and um you know we were talking about mitchell robinson and it's just like yeah if he played i think a lot of people are realizing if he played college ball last year in just trended the way that, you know, it seems like his talent was going. Because you look at the rankings of where he was in high school and he was with all these guys that got drafted in the lottery. 
you know, he would have been, if not a top 10 pick, if you don't want to go crazy, he would have probably been in the top half of the first round, maybe like in the middle. So like, it's not insane to say, okay, a guy of that pedigree could end up, um, you know, having a great season. But that said, because he didn't play competitive basketball, I mean, literally like so many highlights of him playing, you know, in high school, it's like you look at the kids he's playing against, it's like they're, you know, they're like five foot nine. And, and, you know, we know Mitchell Robinson, he's blocking guys in summer league. So I just don't know how he can go from that even though he, he, you know, he showed spurts in summer league, remember there's no foul issues, which that, that will come into play, you know, when he's actually playing a uh, real game. So I don't think too, because I just think for Mitchell Robinson, he's going to have trouble 82 games, getting used to the minutes, getting used to dealing with, you know, foul issues. Um, I think for Knox, it's a lot more because usually at rookie of the year, they like things like, you know, the counting stats. And it seems like on a team without Przingis and not a lot of guys that create offense in the way we saw them using Knox in summer league, he's going to get his shots and he might get his points because of that. So I'll say more Knox than, than Robinson in my long, sure. long-winded answer. So Barry, you're sad. are you satisfied with that or do you need to know if you're more Shia LaBeouf or Gary Busey? No, that's quite all right. <laughs> that's, that's good enough. <laughs> So one last thing before we go, you mentioned next offseason. What are the chances the Knicks end up freeing up, freeing up enough money to sign, actually sign two max free agents? I think the two is, is tough. I mean, Tim Hardaway, though, is an interesting um, contract because you could really make an argument that with, with Tim at that point, at his age, I think that will be, what, 26 or 27, and he'll have yeah. only two years left. So you have to look at it as, okay, if I'm a team and a lot of teams are going to have cap space and I'm in some market that just has no shot at any of these other top guys, do yeah. I sign Tim Hardaway for two years, $37 million, or someone like him for four years, $72 million, like a Noah? Like, because of that, you might be able to move him into space easier than you would think. So I guess I'll say it's not impossible, and I see – you know, his contract, moving his contract a big part of it because moving Courtney Lee, I think, will be easier. But, I, you know, I think the way to look at it is the Knicks haven't signed Porzingis yet. So, in many ways, they would be signing three max contracts in one summer while trying to maintain a roster that, you know, you want to have guys like Knox and Frank um, still on your roster. So, to sign three max guys, that's that's really, really difficult to do. You'd have to right. have guys, I think, sacrifice a little bit. So um, you can't forget the Porzingis piece of it. So I look at it more as they're signing two max guys. One of them is Porzingis, and the other is whoever, you know. And when I say they're signing, I, I really think they're, it's going to be, unfortunately, like the Amari summer where they're going to spend that. I just see them spending that cap space, whether they get the top, top guy or they get the sixth guy. That's just probably how it's going to go, uh, knowing how you know they seem to operate. So uh, all this Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler talk. I know Kyrie Irving is an uh, unrestricted free agent. What's the story with Jimmy Butler for next year? He turned down that extension with Minnesota recently. Is he a free agent, or would they need to do a sign and trade for him? Well, they still could do, and that's another thing, I guess, too. Um, you can create the space. The easier way to create the space for two max contracts is to do a trade, right? So this season, right. 
Jimmy Butler turns that down, and I think he has a player option is what it is. So he, he declines his player option, and he becomes a, 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 a unrestricted free agent. But they could say he's making, I think, $18 million around there this year. So you could say to Minnesota, okay, like we'll trade you to Marley Jr. and the salaries work in a draft pick or whatever because you're going to lose them anyways. Um, right. But now you've got, you know, two young players. that They could very easily do that. So I, I think this, you know, this February, there's going to be, I think, a lot of, a lot of that business where we're all refreshing Twitter over all these crazy rumors Ugh. that, um, you know, anything can happen. That's the worst. By the way, Barry just texted me. He says he hasn't been able to hear anything in three minutes. So, oh, all right. So we should have been, so, uh, I guess, talking about him more. Barry, can you hear us? Uh, JB, <laughs> thanks for joining Barry and I on the program. Yeah, no problem at all. No problem at all. Guys, follow Nick's Film School. What is it? At Nick Film School, right? Yeah, right. I couldn't fit the S in there. But yeah, at Nick Film School. And then, uh, obviously, the, the Knicks wall, too, at the Knicks wall. Um, but, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys, and we'll, we'll do this again. Yeah, I'll say, I'll say goodbye to Barry for you. Any uh, special words for him? No, no, but tell him we'll, we'll have to talk a little more next time since we didn't, we didn't get the chance this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, JB. Talk to you soon. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. Barry? Hello. Are you still recording? Yeah, I'm still recording. What the fuck happened, Barry? <laughs> I got dropped. Or, I mean, I didn't get dropped. I still showed you on my phone, but I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> I got the. I mean, I got the text from you that you hadn't heard anything in three minutes. So yeah, I told JB, and he says he said goodbye. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, honestly, I didn't even know you weren't there. No idea. I know. I figured that was happening too. I don't fucking say a word anyway. <laughs> he probably doesn't know I'm sitting off the phone. Oh man. <laughs> So, Barry, this week I had the opportunity to speak to uh, Mitchell Robinson's high school basketball coach from Chalmette High School in Chalmette, Louisiana. I'm going to play that for everyone right now. It's pretty sweet, right, Barry? Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, man. What a brutal segue. <laughs> I was actually really nervous about calling him. You know how we've compared Mitchell Robinson to Neon Badeau from Blue Chips? Right. So when I looked up Butch Stockton's picture on the computer, I thought he bared like a resemblance, sort of a mix between Jerry Sloan and Nick Nolte, <laughs> who played like Bob Knight or some coach like that in Blue Chips. Right. So I was really nervous to call Butch. Plus, he's got that name, Butch Stockton. And you're thinking he's from Louisiana. He coached Mitchell Robinson. This guy's going to be intimidating. I was very nervous. I didn't know if I was going to have to call him up and you know, schedule a time to speak to him. Like, he didn't know. I just cold called him, Barry. Oh, you did? Yeah, he had no idea I was calling. Oh, I thought he was <laughs> expecting your call. No, so I was like, I guess I have to call him. I didn't even realize some, uh, school's not in session right now. I kind of assumed it was for some reason, because I don't, I don't know. I'm just out of that world. So I was like, I got to call him between 9 and 5, Monday through Friday. I don't want to bother him on the weekend. I'll call him during lunch at work, right? But he had no clue I was calling him. And I didn't know if he was going to want to like talk to me right then and there or if we were going to have to set up another time. So I was like, hey, coach, uh, I introduced myself, told him I do a show in New York. I didn't want to ex have to explain the podcast to him. So I just said, like, we do a, we do a show in New York. Right. 
wanted the chance to talk to you for like 10 or 15 minutes about Mitchell. Uh, is there a good day or time that would work for that? And he was just like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, ah, ah. He's like, <laughs> like, hold on. And it was like really, wherever he was, it was really loud. And he was like, hold on, let me go outside. And then it took Which him like- took like 10 minutes. <laughs> it took like 10 minutes to get outside. It was just, <laughs> we were just like in silence for like 10 minutes while he was getting outside. Uh, but then he got outside and he was the nicest guy. So, all right, I'm going to play that for everyone right now. All right, Knicks fans, on the phone right now, we have Mitchell Robinson's high school coach the head men's basketball coach at Chalmette High School. That's all the way in Chalmette, Louisiana, which is about 30 minutes outside of the French Quarter in New Orleans. Coach Butch Stockton. How you doing today, Coach? Oh, I'm doing real well, you know. Just uh, got a little youth basketball camp going on and uh, just uh, enjoying it right now. Any future Mitchell Robinsons out there, Coach? I don't have nobody that size right now. But you never know. Kids can grow, and uh, they all got ambitions to make it to the NBA. But as we all know, it takes a special person to make the NBA. You have to have a very uh, hard-working – got to work extra hard to get there, and then you've got to be very talented. Was Mitchell Robinson your first player to ever make it to the NBA? Uh, No, he's not my first one. My first guy at the NBA was a guy named David Benoit. Played Utah Jazz, a small forward. And Carl Malone, power forward, John Stockton was the point guard, and Jeff Hornacek was the two guard. Coach, how many years have you been coaching at Shelmet High School? Actually, uh, I came to Shelmet High School right after Hurricane Katrina. Before that, I coached at another school here in St. Bernard Parish, St. Bernard High School, in 1997. So the first time you laid eyes on Mitchell Robinson, what was your first impression? My first thing was, man, this kid's this tall, you know, he's tall, and uh, he ran the floor extremely well, and uh, great shot blocker, you know, and I went, you know, he's got a chance. So as you know, Knicks fans got some glimpses of Mitchell's athleticism and defense in Summer League. What would you say are his biggest strengths? I would say Mitchell's biggest strengths are the way he runs the floor for a big man, and also how he protects the basket. He's a great shot blocker. Not only when he shot when he first is taken, but also only second. But he's a quick leaper. He gets off the floor quickly with his feet. And also, um, another thing Mitchell can do, he can finish around the rim. Is Mitchell as shy and quiet as he seems on the court as he is off the court? Or does he have a flip he can switch? Well, you know, uh, he's a very quiet person uh, outside the court. When he gets someone that court now, he's uh, very aggressive. Very, uh, Kind of aggressive person, a little bit. You know, he's not going to let nobody just run over. Does he do a lot of talking on the court? Uh, well, not extreme. I wouldn't call outside talking. Uh, you know, boys talking smack on the court. But if one gets and starts talking to him a lot, he's liable to carry on a little conversation. Yeah, everyone throws out comparisons for Mitchell Robinson right now. I heard someone the other day say Kevin Garnett. Does he have any kind of fire that would resemble that? Well, I think he does. I really do. I think once he gets to playing against in the NBA and also playing at that level of talent and playing people, you know, the same size and things, I think he's definitely the fire would be there. So Mitchell just signed that four-year deal with the Knicks. I think it's with two years guaranteed. Do you think now that he has that NBA contract, he's going to be satisfied with that? Or does he want to be greater than that? 
Well, I think he definitely wants to be greater than that. And, you know, anyone, when you first get the NBA, your main ambition is to try to get further and, you know, try to stay in the NBA. So one day you're in the NBA, one day you're out, in other words. And when you sign a contract, you got to work for that contract and show those people, especially New York Knicks now, he's got to show their management that he's very deserving of that contract to an extra hard for the next contract. So what kind of player do you think Mitchell can be in the NBA? Can you compare him to any current players? Uh, you know, I guess when I after watching the Summer League games, one thing that's bottom out would be like a Clint Capella or the Houston Rockets, because he can, can definitely go up, get the lob, and throw it down. And then he rebounds a little bit like uh, Jordan uh, of the L.A. Clippers, who's now with the Masters. But when he, when he was younger, people would compare him to a young Anthony Davis when he was younger. And I know he can shoot the ball from outside, which is uh, he hasn't shown yet, but he can also he can knock the three down from outside. Is it true that over the past year in Louisiana, he didn't play any kind of organized ball? Oh, that, that's very true. He did not do any kind of. So uh, once he didn't go to Western Kentucky, he just uh, started working on his game more. He didn't play no five on five with no one. Did he not want to get injured, or what was the reason for that? Well, you know, when you're talking about five on five, I mean, he played pickup basketball. Okay, he did play pickup ball. When I say competitive, I'm talking about competitive basketball now, five on five. But he might pick up five on five in the gym and try to run each and every day. Those kind of games. All right, so we know what kind of player you think Mitchell can be. What kind of player do you think Mitchell wants to be? I think he wants to show everyone that he belongs in the league and then also by him not going to college and being what they call a mystery man. If then you reach, I was known as a mystery man to everyone. You show these people that he's very deserving of things, and he can play in the NBA, and he can take part against these guys. He came out of high school. He was ranked one of the top ten players in the country. He wants to show everyone that he is still that kind of player. He's going to work that much harder in practice, and especially with the New York Knicks right now, to showing them and their management that he is uh, one of the elite players still coming out. How big is Chalmette High School, Coach? We have about 1,900 students. So it's a fairly large school, but nowhere near New York City, obviously. <laughs> uh, no, not really at all. No, not that big now. Do you think Mitchell's shy personality can handle the spotlight of playing in the biggest city in the world, potentially one day becoming the starting center for the New York Knicks? Yes, I really do, because, you know, Mitchell's the type of player. He travel a lot in the EYBL, the Nike League. And also, he's got to experience a lot of different places. And in high school here, we travel a lot of different places. So it's a play against different kind of players throughout. And one thing you got to remember now, I know New York City is a very, very large city and things like that. And the personality is a little different. But New Orleans is also not a small area when it comes to athletics and especially some of the gyms he's had to play in. Coach, do you have any personal story about Mitchell on or off the court that has impressed you the most in regards to his character or game or anything? You know, one thing that I'll say about Mitchell is that uh, every summer he's always wanted to come and work my basketball camp for the last three years. He enjoys working with the youth that he might have ever seen. In other words, he's the type who walk into a gym and as a young kid shoots a basketball, he's going to walk over to him and pick the ball up and want to shoot the ball with him. And uh, that's one of the big attributions Mitchell has. He loves 
dealing with the younger youth and especially, you know, wanting them to know who he is. Like, you take a picture with anyone and do anything like that. Sounds like a great kid. Oh, he really is, you know. And I really just look for, like I said, that uh, that when he comes back, and especially gets to New York, and I think he's going to do extremely well there with the Knicks. And I don't really don't think that uh, the city's going to be too big for him. I really don't. So last question, Coach. Do Knicks fans have good reason to be excited? Yeah, I think definitely have a good reason to be excited. You know, after watching the summer league games I've watched, and uh, they haven't really seen the real Mitchell Robinson yet. Let me say that to you. In other words, when they're going to see how he really runs the floor well, one thing I've noticed, I don't think Mitchell's in the top shape that he was when he left me out of high school. In high school, he'd be the first one on running sprint each and every day, and he would challenge the guys to pitch once to beat him in run. <laughs> I mean, who could beat him with that stride? <laughs> that's right. That's correct. You know, who's going to beat him down the court. And that I've seen him block a shot on one end, sprint final on the other end, and um, dunk the basketball off a missed shot off the rim. How many steps does it take him to run down the court? Twelve? <laughs> uh, it don't take very many at all. Actually, I've seen him run from one length to the other end in 2.8 seconds. Oh, man. From the baseline, from the baseline to dunking a basketball. I thought my stopwatch was broken. <laughs> So we did it again, and he did the same thing again. So far, I'm loving watching him out there, and I know Knicks fans are, so whatever you did for his game, thank you. Okay, thank you so much. And, and like I said, I look forward to coming to New York City and watching him play up there. And like I said, all Knicks fans, get ready for a good one because he's going to be a secret shot blocker. And I think y'all be very excited about having him. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Coach. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed it. And good luck to you this year. Coach, I lied. One last question. Is it a hard Knicks life? It's a hard Knicks life, huh? There you go. <laughs> I never when Willis went through that, went through that tunnel with hurting came back and led the Knicks that championship. So when we say it's a hard Knicks life here, you've actually seen the good Knicks life at its best. <laughs> well, you know, I hope now it's just on another... Uh, with Mitchell coming to New York and being the Knicks, I just hope that I can see it one more time. Yeah, well, let's hope he leads the Knicks to a championship. But let's not hope he has to come limping out of the tunnel. No, no, I don't want that now at all. All right, Coach. Well, I wish you nothing but the best. I wish Mitchell Robinson nothing but the best. Thanks again for coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing you guys. Barry, what can you do in 2.8 seconds? What can I do in 2.8 seconds? Eh, that's 2.8 seconds, dude. Nothing. <laughs> I can tell you what I can't do in 2.8 seconds. I can't even stand up from sitting on the toilet in 2.8 seconds. I can't open a carton of milk in 2.8 oh, seconds. You no, know, that unscrew not. cap and tear that plastic <laughs> thing off. I can't. I don't know if I can do anything in 2.8 seconds. I can't locate the calculator app on my iPhone in 2.8 seconds. Oh, no. When I sit down in my car, I can't buckle my seatbelt in 2.8 seconds. That you should be able to do in 2.8 seconds. Also, you got to reach back. you got to flip it around. That, you know. But meanwhile, Mitchell Robinson's running from baseline to baseline. Incredible. Incredible talent. That's going to do it for the show today, guys. want to say thank you again to Butch Stockton, very special guest, and also Nick's Film School. 
Remember, you can contact us. It's a hardnickslife at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at hardnickslife. You can call us, right, Barry? That's right. You can call us at 516-33-MESH-1. Uh, summer League's over. I don't know what the hell me and Barry are going to be talking about for the next few months. Do you have any idea, Barry? No. That's a no. Tune in. You'll have to tune in to find out. It's going to be a long few months, but until next time, it is a hard It's a hard Knicks life. Fuck you, Barry. I wanted to do it in tandem this time. We've never done that. Well, I didn't know what was happening there. All right. I figured you'd pick up my lead. Until next time, it is a hard. It's a hard Nick. Oh, I see. I I conjuncted it. Fucking idiot. I used the conjunction. You know what? Fuck it. Until next time, guys, it is a hard Nick's life. Bye, Barry. Bye, Craig. It's time to hang up the phone. You hang up first. (laughs) Jesus. By the way, we had a recent review that said we have decent banter. (laughs) And I think that this is exactly what that is. Decent banter. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.